This is exactly right. Forgive me for interrupting. I'm Bridger Weiniger, host of I Said No Gifts on Exactly Right. Each week, I invite my favorite people in comedy over to chat, and they always bring a gift. We're coming up on our 200th episode, and every episode is a gem. I have welcomed all kinds of great guests, including Cola Scola, Bowen Yang, Robbie Hoffman. It goes on and on and on. And you don't want to miss the 200th episode with the great Maria Bamford. What does she bring me? Find out April 25th. New episodes every Thursday. Follow I Said No Gifts wherever you get your podcasts. Guys, gals, non-binary pals, welcome to a mini-sode episode. I guess you just say mini-sode. Welcome to a mini-sode of Bananas. I am Kurt Brownoller. I am Scotty Landis. It is a freezing cold 65 degrees in Los Angeles. Everybody is wearing <laughs> snow coats, including Kurt. Including I do Kurt. have I, it's not a snow coat. It is a it is a puffy jacket though. I have a puffy jacket on because I'm in my I'm in my garage. It's probably fifty eight degrees in my garage. No, it is chilly for LA, and this city is so <laughs> bizarre and weird. Last night I was driving back to my house, and I was just passing so many people walking on the sidewalk in full like jackets, like anorak <laughs> hooded, like as if as if there aren't people that live in thirty degrees or less year round. <laughs> but out here, you're like, oh man, this just isn't going to cut the mustard. It really is. There's that. Oh man, that there's a there's a there's a meme account that I don't know who runs it. It's called Americana at Brand Meme. Americana. That's so is a, funny. Is a mall in Glendale, and uh, and it always make it's like uh, L A L A when it gets seventy degrees, and yes. then you just see a guy with a like a. a a full beanie on, like all the way down over his ears. Yeah, people lose their marbles their over it, but it's fine. It also it makes it's like our fall. This is the closest yes. we get to a fall. Is just a it's not eighty degrees every day, but it does make me. And this morning I woke up and the bedroom was cold, and I was like, I want to go skiing. I yeah. want to go snowboarding. Like, mm -hmm. so I think this year I'm going to do it. I don't know if you guys want to take Olive on her first time or a lesson. I would love to. But either big, I guess Big Bear would probably be the easiest. Yeah, it's so fast and close. That'd be great. I would love to do that. All right, I'll let you know. Maybe I'll get a little air bed and breakfast and we can figure it out. Yeah, baby. Actually, that'd be fun because then we could just do bananas at Big Bear and mm -hmm. be have a little altitude sickness or whatever. Yeah, that'd be great. It's higher up there than you think. Every time I'm up there and like hiking or doing whatever, really? I get like winded and I'm like, huh. And then it's, I don't know, 5,000 feet. Wow, I had no idea it was that far up. Yeah, man. Pretty wild. Pretty well, wild. Got, for in case uh, you're not familiar with Minnesota, we take your confessions, your stories, tell our stories on top. So, Scotty, what do we got for today? So I, I have a confession. I We have so many confessions, but I have a hunch that we're going to get through one confession, one story. It was um, like party fouls or you broke it, but I didn't buy it, something like that. So okay. here's one. Um, and it starts off really, really, and these are always anonymous. So it says, this is my favorite podcast. Here's a story. Actually, I guess this is just a story. 
Here's a story. When I was in college, smoking was still allowed inside certain buildings. That's how old I am. One of the areas was the ground floor of the main library. Halfway through the year, the administration decided that we would no longer be allowed to smoke inside of the building. Because punk rock rebels without a cause we were, we decided to stage a sit-in to protest the decision. We put flyers <laughs> up. I know. Just to not be able to we smoke in a library. We need to smoke in the library. <laughs> I love uh, it. But also, at that age, you're just like... If we're going to take a stand, it's now or never, guys. <laughs> That's exactly it. And you just reminded me of one, a story that I'll tell. Let me just open a little thing here. Okay. So anyways, they said um, we decided to stage a sit-in to protest the decision and put flyers up all around campus. When the big day came, we blocked the hallways and the floors. Very soon after, the head librarian arrived. He was an older hippie type with a ponytail. He sat in front of us and said, Okay, what are your demands? And someone said, We want to smoke in the library. <laughs> <laughs> it is so collegiate. It is like oh, it is such so... a college protest. Like everything else is taken care of, but this little luxury yeah. that's killing you and the people around you. <laughs> we want to smoke in the library. And he said, The ponytailed man, head librarian, well, that isn't going to happen. Anything else? Being unprepared for the scenario, we just stared blankly at him, and then everybody got up and left. Really? Oh, my <laughs> yeah. God. They didn't have any other demands. <laughs> and then everyone left. Slacktivism at its best. Love you guys. Oh, that this, is so funny. This is a beautiful Gen X story. It really is. <laughs> it so is. When I was at UMass, they uh, we had some pretty serious budget cuts for a couple of the years, and like... The all that I saw was that they would double print on paper. So if you got a syllabus, it would be double printed on mm -hmm. both sides. Who gives a crap? That's great. Like yeah. nobody cares. They basically were like, let's use less waste. And yeah, in right. like, uber liberal, crunchy Amherst, you would think that that would be okay. One day I was walking to class, and I've mentioned this guy probably two years ago on the podcast when I was a telemarketer up there. But his name was Corey, but he lied and said his name was Corey Charisma when he would call people. <laughs> and he was excellent at it. And he would, when he would call people, he'd go, hey, sorry to bother you during dinner. This is Corey Charisma for Country Insurance. And then people would talk to him because he just sounded like shaggy and kind of a stony yeah. dude. So one day, because we worked together, uh, he got around campus on like a a longboard, a long skateboard, mm -hmm. and then yep. his two dogs would pull him. He had two like Aussies. And he would have them on this leashes, is, and they would pull them through campus. This is very Corey Charisma. Corey Charisma to a T. If you yeah. knew this guy. And so he's like, what's up, Scooter? And I'm like, what's up, man? I was like, what's going on? He goes, we're walking out of class. And I go, for what? He goes, budget cuts. And I go, okay. <laughs> and then what? He goes, we're walking out at four. And I was like, then what's everybody going to do? He's like, it's because of the budget cuts. And I'm like, yeah, but what <laughs> What does this do? Like, we paid for yeah. these classes. I like, I just paid off my student debts like five years ago. Mm -hmm. And it's like, so they cut class. So I went to class because I was like, you guys are dorks. So I went to class and then I saw this group that I gathered and they didn't know. Like, they didn't have a purpose. So when I read this story, <laughs> I was like, I know exactly what it's like. So what did they do? They walked to the bursar's office. 
First of all, I still don't know what a bursar's office is. Is it? it it's 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 purser or bursar? It's bursar with a with B. a B. Yeah, still don't know what that is. Don't I would, know. If if it's a purser, I assume he owns he he holds the purse of the university. Yes, but a bursar, I have no idea. He holds the purse. I know. So these, I don't know. Let's say it's a hundred and fifty or two hundred pissed off students who really don't have anything to worry about. Walk. I don't know half a mile probably less quarter mile to the administration office and then they get there and they all go in and like you know the people working the reception there are students those are like student employees and they're like hi and they're like we're sick of these budget cuts or whatever and then all these people in the back are chanting let us in just because they physically can't get through the doors (laughs) and the people on the inside are going there's just no room you guys are allowed in the doors are open there's just no room for anybody and I just peeled off, and it was like an, a level of activism that I think, obviously, you and I, we try to be as uh, as good as citizens as possible and support as many causes as we can. But there sometimes is a level of activism like, I don't know, we want to smoke in the library. <laughs> that just, there's no win here. You've already lost. Just accept the L and move on. Just accept it. I remember... Uh this was probably 2000, probably around 2000-ish, and for it was Rudy Giuliani was mayor of New York City. Oh, great. And what a guy. He, uh, yeah. He, and like we knew then he was a piece of shit, but I think he's gone even more crazy since then. But uh, his deal was that he strictly enforced these like uh, quality of life violations which meant like uh uh, drinking on the street or peeing on the street uh things like that uh which is you know they they they, that's just a way of saying like we can arrest poor people yeah anything uh, we want at for no reason yeah and one of the things that he was he did too was like you couldn't dance in a bar that didn't have a dancing license i absolutely remember that yes and these dancing licenses were like this racist law from when they wanted to prevent white women from going downtown up to Harlem during the Harlem Renaissance where they're like dancing in jazz clubs. Yeah, so they like created club. this yeah. fucking, what was it called? There was a license. It was not called a dancing license. It was called Burlesque, a cab- I thought. cabaret oh, yeah. license. Cabaret, yeah. If you don't have a cabaret license. So literally if you were in a bar and it was like three in the morning and somebody put on a jukebox and you start dancing, the bartender would be like, don't do that because we could get shut down. It was crazy. That is crazy. And I remember th- that. Remember that? Yeah. And another thing that he did, this piece of shit. So <laughs> I used to always go on um, critical mass bike rides. Sure. So it would be like 2,000 people on bikes would just ride through Manhattan for yes. like two and a half hours. Um, but there would all be a group. So it would be like, this is this is traffic. Like, bikes are traffic. Um, and and it drove Giuliani crazy that they would exist. So then... Like he would dedicate hundreds and hundreds of police officers to come and then set up like these stings where they just would try and arrest hundreds of people for just riding their bicycle. Yeah, totally cool. Uh, yeah, so insane. And it was during this time we were just riding our bikes, and it was me and my girlfriend at the time. And we saw some cops at the end of the block, and we like had peeled off from the main pack because we were just like, there's just too many cops. I don't like this. And a cop was just standing on the corner, and we rode past him. And uh, the, the cop said, hey, stop. 
And so then my girlfriend at the time stopped and I was like, don't stop. And yeah. then she stopped and he came over and then started arresting her. And I was like, oh man. And so then I like turned around and like came back to her and they're like, oh, you want to get arrested too, buddy? And I was like, all right. And so then they actually physically arrest for just riding our bikes, physically arrested us. Totally insane. Confiscated our bikes. Totally insane. Sent us to a jail in the Lower East Side where we stayed overnight in a jail cell with all just people who had been riding their fucking bicycle. You're kidding. Uh, No, I'm not kidding. And then we, I don't, I don't, and then they just released us in the morning and, uh, and we were in there for like eight hours. It was insane. And then there was a class action lawsuit for all of those people who got arrested for riding their bike. And then we all got like (laughs) $1,000. Oh, shit, yeah. That's the best thing ever. Eight years later, I got a check for $1,000 because I was part of a class action lawsuit against the New York City Police Department for arresting people for riding their bikes. And it finally felt like, oh, isn't that crazy? It was so I awesome. Love that and it was a time so that I much. really needed money. <laughs> but it was like millions, hundreds of millions of dollars that New York City Police Department had to pay. Uh, in uh, t- in 2006, I uh, so I'd already been living in Brooklyn for a year or two, and I had so, people would always come up. It's same thing. Like when I first moved to LA, maybe 30 people came out because they had never been to LA, and they yeah. just crashed with me. Like I still right. have an air mattress that I haven't used in five years, but there was a time that thing was getting like monthly use where people would be like, "Can I come crash?" I'm like, "That's so crazy." Come you're on such a out. good person. Oh, your God. your apartment is so tiny. Yes, I know, and I'm like. All right, guys, you could take over this living area. I'll be in the bedroom bathroom unit. Um, I'll have to step over you to get coffee in the morning. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I did. And they did. Um, but, oh, so I was living in Brooklyn, and a bunch of people were coming up from Maryland. And they, I would take them around different things. And one friend came up, and he's like, do you like living here? I was like, yeah, it's great. Uh, and he's like, what do you like about New York? I don't get why everybody loves it so much. You know, like some people just yeah. have that taste in their mouth. I was like, well, just anything can happen. It's super fun. And he's like, I guess. And so we walk over the Brooklyn Bridge, which is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And we're walking near J Street Borough Hall. And I hear like bass and music. And then on this empty street, I would say 100 motorcycles, probably 50 <laughs> four-wheelers, uh, a bunch of SUVs. Uh, with spinners, and it's all black folks. Every single person on every vehicle is a black woman or a black dude, and standing out of an open moonroof is the rapper Lil' Kim. Lil' Kim (gasps) had gotten... Uh, she was going to go to jail for perjury for a case that had happened like five years earlier, but it finally came up. Her, and so that's how they drove that group of people drove her to prison in oh. like a parade of motorcycles doing wheelies, four wheelers, SUVs oh just God, bumping so cool. little. Yeah, it was the best. She's just dancing. Like <laughs> you, you, you could spot her. She had like. She looked amazing, or she had like this beautiful like wig on, and she just was like, oh, and like they, that's how they took her to jail to do a year and a day. I looked it up later, and my friend's like, no shit, like anything does happen here. But we were like, it's Lil Kim, it's Lil Kim, <laughs> just blasting Biggie Smalls, going by. It was <laughs> like if you had to go to jail for a year, and a hundred of your friends are like, I know. we're throwing you a parade. That's it's the best. It it's was so the realest awesome. shit. It was so great lover all right this one is a confession that had nothing to do with either one of the topics and you guys uh, bananas you're welcome to send confessions anytime we anytime. keep them anonymous just nothing murder no assault um 
but I think you will love this one, Kurt. Something okay. about this one spoke to me and said, Curdy B will love this. When I was a kid, maybe around six years old, my mom took me with her to the grocery store. While at the store, I was extremely hungry and complained about it a lot. When after what felt like an excruciating amount of time, we were finally in line to check out. But the line was very long and moving very slowly. As I stood there waiting with her, I realized that at eye height to me was a container of baguettes. <laughs> of baguettes? Oh, of like baguettes. A stand, of, like a stand. Yeah. Like, like baguettes. Yes. The baguettes, little end butt pieces were completely sticking out, <laughs> and the packaging didn't fully encompass them. You can guess what my hungry mind tempted me to do. <laughs> so regardless of knowing i absolutely should not bite the top off the bread <laughs> i did and it was so good until i looked up and locked eyes with the man who had seen the whole thing he was laughing so hard and i was instantly mortified and red in the face after that i quickly looked away and tried hard to be invisible which is such a little kid thing to do like just tuck behind yeah. your parents leg yeah um, after that, I quickly uh, looked away and tried to very hard to be invisible. I had almost forgotten about the intense embarrassment after my mom checked out and we made our way back to the car <laughs> when I saw the same man again. This time, he was sitting in his car with a buddy and seemed to be very animatedly telling him something. <laughs> I think he was talking about the baguette biting. <laughs> I began to look away. When he looked over, we locked eyes for a second time. <laughs> He quickly nudged his friend and pointed at me, and they both erupted in laughter. <laughs> a six-year-old. Needless oh. to say, this moment has haunted me my entire life. You are absolved. Oh, my God. You don't have anything to be absolved for. That's the funniest, God, that's the so funniest funny. solution to I'm a kid and I'm hungry at a grocery store is just to bite the top off of a baguette. Because, yeah. Why are those baguette butts sticking yes. out? Put the top on, folks. You can't yeah. wrap up the end of that goddamn baguette. Yeah, you ran out of paper halfway through. Maybe bake the baguette a little shorter. Has anybody you thought know of what? that? I feel like they make bags of all sizes, <laughs> not just one and a half inches shorter than the fucking baguette size. It's some there's an old there's an old comedian. Uh, I can't remember who it was, but they had the joke about light bulbs come in like the most flimsy packaging of anything. <laughs> But then you buy like oh batteries in Amazon and it's packed in like six inches of styrofoam. Oh, I want to know who that, what comedian that is. I'll have to Google That's it. That's so, so funny. It's like 20 year old. I remember from like my teenage years, but it's so true. Like you buy two light bulbs at, at Lowe's and it's just like the thinnest, like somewhere between <laughs> typing paper and cardboard, holding them together without straps, just loosely holding just them loose. together. Just <laughs> loose. If you just push it, it just falls right out. Oh, God. I remember oh, trying so like when you were young. You know, when we were middle school or whatever, and you're trying to be badass, and you'd like open a, a Snapple in the grocery store and drink it while you were walking around and then hide it back on the shelves. Uh -huh. And I can remember getting busted once where the person's like, are you going to pay for that Snapple? And I was, you're like, uh, yes. And then you kind of realize like surveillance cameras exist. Yeah. And yeah, also yeah. you're just being a jerk. And back then, Snapple's probably 99 cents. 
but you felt like a little rebel. You felt oh, so. Yeah. I kind of get what she was going for. Oh, one hundred percent. Also, uh, we got a message uh, on our DMs because we were talking about Snapple facts. I guess yes. for one, yeah. and we were wondering if the Snapple facts were real. Yeah. And this person was a copywriter mm-hmm. and had to verify. They worked for the company that Snapple used to make the Snapple facts. They had to verify over five hundred facts, and all of them are true. Yeah, isn't that That's crazy? Interesting. I um. At my leanest, I I had worked on like two or three jobs in a row in New York and TV, including two that you were on, Mega Drive and Money from Strangers. And I worked on one other pilot. And then after that year, I was like told that there was another job lined up and then there was another MTV job in Las Vegas. And I ended up, they both fell apart, not because of me, because of other people. So suddenly I was watching my my bank account go down again. And Mm -hmm. I was like, oh man, I'm going to have to wait tables again or valet again or do something like that. And then I got two interviews. One was for the Love Connection. They were bringing back the Love Connection. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other one was for Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Mm-hmm. And at the time, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, I think Regis had just stopped. And then I think it was Meredith Vieira or maybe it was like Jimmy Kimmel. Somebody was guest hosting, but they wanted to hire new question writers. And that process was so difficult to get the job as it's still the hardest job interview yeah but they would be like come in with 10 trivia questions and then so you're like oh that's easy and you look stuff up and then you had to write for each one three three to five different ways you would verify each question and then you couldn't like repeat yourself so you couldn't say like the date the titanic sunk and you go i would check encyclopedia britannica i would call the natural I'm right. at the American History Museum, and, and I, would I would do something text else. Text James Cameron. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. exactly. And phone call Leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> and ask him, "Will he paint me like a French girl?" It was, but I didn't get the job, and I was like crestfallen. I was like, "Oh shit!" Back to the salt mines. Here we go. Yeah. But I remember as soon as they started grilling me, I thought about Jeopardy. I thought about all the trivia games that are on television and that there are these nameless, faceless writers just having to prove all of these things. Because it's money. Because it's money and people will sue. Yeah. And then on the newlywed game, I went in, Sherry Shepard or somebody was rebooting the newlywed game, and the only question they asked me in the interview, they were like, oh, you've done some game show stuff? I'm like, yeah, yeah, pretty much. And they were like, can you just write down 10 different terms for making whoopee? And oh I was God, like, I yeah. Love it. And so I just sat there on the fly, and you were like, you know, like uh, bumping bagels. You would just say like any yeah, yeah, yeah. dumb thing to be like, and then that was it. That was the whole job interview. I had to write ten or fifteen different terms for that were TV safe for saying when you're making whoopee. Uh huh. Love it. <laughs> and I was bummed I didn't get that too. They were like, guys, it's Writers Guild. It pays really well. And I was like, yes. <laughs> so, anyways, I still enjoy those shows, but yeah, sadly, well, no more. No more. And this is no more to this episode, uh, this mini-sode of Bananas. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to Exactly Right. Thank you to Katie Levine, Lisa Maggot, our human intern. Thank you to you, Scotty. Thank you to you, Curdy B. And keep those confessions and stories coming. The Bananas Podcast at gmail.com or The Bananas Podcast on Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. Bananas.
Bananas is an Exactly Right Media production. Our producer and engineer is Katie Levine. The Catchy Bananas theme song was composed and performed by Kahan. Artwork for Bananas was designed by Travis Millard. And our benevolent overlords are the great Karen Kilgariff and Georgia Hardstark. And Lisa Maggot is our full human, not a robot intern. Bananas. Bananas. Bananimals, follow Bananas on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you love what you hear, feel free to rate and review our little show. And of course, please visit exactlyrightstore.com to purchase Bananas merch.